Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. What's up, New Orleans? What's up across the Gulf South? And to you listening wherever you're at tonight at WWL.com, the radio.com app. Post-Saints game day. Second guest show. Detillier and Bear Right into the last lap here. Feels like it's football season. That's because it is. The Saints coming from behind yesterday to beat the Chargers in a preseason game. 19 to 17 and it was a tale of yes two halves and a tale of two quarterbacks and Mike and Bobby talked a lot about that Bobby talked extensively last night about that on the point after show in the locker room show on the Saints radio network indeed it was it really was a, a disparate day for Teddy Bridgewater the first half guy and then Taysom Hill who was inserted last series what of the first half and then into the second half we'll get into all of that yes we will get into this Taysom versus Teddy debate that has raged on social media that frankly I don't quite understand. Maybe I understand it, but I try to be a little more pragmatic. We'll get to that in just a little bit. Mike Triplett will join the show, ESPN NFL Nation reporter. He watched the game yesterday. He'll give us his takeaways at 8.32. Also, some good stuff online from our Saints team, including the return of Taysom Hill and the talk of him becoming the next Steve Young, the return of that. Steve Geller just wrote about that at WWL.com. He's got that column that just went up. We'll talk college football. Associated Press poll released earlier today has LSU well, right where they were in the coaches poll. In fact, the entire top 10 in the, coach, in the Associated Press poll, pardon me, is the same as it was in the coaches poll. Very little surprises, if any, in this poll. And yes, LSU, just like the coaches poll at number six. We'll dive into that a little more. LSU had their second scrimmage on Saturday. James Moran comes onto the show in the 9 o'clock hour to give us his inside scoop there. We also talked to Ben Kerchival, ESPN and now CBS college football writer. Actually, he's with CBS now. I think he worked for ESPN, but he's with CBS now, CBS Sports. And we'll talk to him in hour number three of the show about this this top 25 and, and really the, the stale part of this top 10 that didn't change and how LSU fits into this so that's all part of the show today again the phone lines are open for you all show long 504-260-1870 our text lines 870-870 and our opinion poll today is going to throw a little flame on the fire of this Taysom versus Teddy debate who's going to be the quarterback for the Saints after Drew Brees will it be Bridgewater Hill somebody else that's not on the roster you can cast your vote at wwl.com or the radio.com app there were a few takeaways before we dive into the Taysom versus Teddy stuff, because that's, I feel like, going to take up most of the air out of the room. But there were some other interesting takeaways from this game. First and maybe most prominently, and for me anyways, if you really look at this, Caden Ellis might be a near lock to make this team, and here's why. For the second consecutive week, he's led the team in snaps, and that by itself in the first and second preseason game won't tell you a lot. But he's also a very productive and important member of all of those special teams units. He's on all of them. 
He was on the top five of snaps played uh, on those special teams units. And again, playing a lot of defense, has shown some stuff there. Versatility and special teams worth and importance is how you make this team as a late-round pick or an undrafted guy. Ellis is a late-round pick, essentially the same boat as an undrafted guy coming into camp, but I really like what I've seen from him. Right now, I would be surprised if Caden Ellis is on on this final uh, final 53-man roster. Then you had the Saints pressure against the Chargers quarterbacks, including Cardell Jones, Easton Stick, Tyrod Taylor. Taylor was your starter. Where is it? After two weeks, where's the consistent pressure, the consistent sacks? Didn't happen yesterday. You had one sack. It was a combo sack, half sack by Eli Apple, half sack by Marcus Davenport. And speaking of Marcus Davenport, here's what we saw yesterday. You had the one sack. You had another nice over a backup offensive left tackle. But he didn't show much else. And in fact, his lack of a move besides the bull rush was noted by the television broadcast. It was noted by some NFL columnist on Twitter. Yesterday, 24 snaps for Davenport. That was up from 19 in week one. Had one sack or a half sack, one half sack. And one tackle. So Davenport's two game totals. A lot of that against second teamers, some third teamers. 43 snaps, two tackles, a half sack. That's the facts. I'll leave that without commentary there. You can extrapolate. At the wide receiver position, everybody was juiced up about Emmanuel Butler. Finally giving it a go. And, well, he went, but he was a dud. His debut was an absolute dud. No catches. It's a disappearing act for the time that he was out there. And yes, I understand the Saints had problems, especially in the first half, throwing the football around. But when you're an undrafted rookie trying to make this team, kind of the opposite of Caden Ellis, you've got to show something when you get opportunities, very limited opportunities, in-game situations. I don't care how much Emmanuel Butler shows you in practice, shows you in training camp. If in these next two games, if he's not productive in game situations, I'm sorry, he's not making this roster. It's going to be Austin Carr or somebody else. Speaking of Austin Carr, he needed a moment like he had yesterday with that touchdown catch from Taysom Hill, 27 yards. He hauled in. That was his only catch, but he's looking for moments like that to make sure he's still on this roster. Might have saved his Saints career. And who knows? With, again, the lack of production from Butler and, and the wide receivers yesterday, maybe Carr is now a favor to actually make this roster over some of those guys. Traven Drow, a couple of catches late in the game. Little Jordan Humphrey, another one. One catch for 18 yards. Those are my, I guess, biggest takeaways from yesterday other than what happened at quarterback. And we're going to take an early first break here because I the air is going to get sucked out of the studio and off the airwaves when we start diving into this because Taysom was good yesterday. Wasn't great, but he was good. Led the comeback. I liked it. 11 to 15, 136, two touchdowns. Added another 53 yards on the ground. How can you not like what Taysom Hill did? Teddy Bridgewater did not have a good day. However, if we rewind all the way back to where people aren't going to remember this, one week ago, when they played against the Vikings, those roles were reversed. It was Teddy Bridgewater who had a nice game. Taysom who struggled a little bit. 
and the absurdity of the Taysom versus Teddy debate was in full view yesterday and on into today, and we got to talk about it. And we will do that next. I'm Seth Dunlap, Logan Falgu at Master Control tonight. It's the last lap on WWL. One of Taysom Hill's two touchdown strikes as the Saints come back to beat the Chargers yesterday, 19-17. to We're keeping an eye tonight on the Little League World Series because... The boys from the East Bank, the Louisiana team, yeah, they're playing in an elimination game against the Midwest, a team from Minnesota. And so far, well, so good for the local boys. Up 5 to nothing in the top of the fourth inning, and there's a strikeout by Louisiana. So uh, pretty good for them early on here, trying to stave off elimination and stay alive in that Little League World Series. We will keep you updated there. Let's get into this Teddy versus Taysom debate. Teddy Bridgewater versus Taysom Hill. Because last night, what I saw on Twitter as the game was unfolding is the same conversation I've seen unfold over the last two years around Taysom Hill, and now Teddy Bridgewater is lumped up into it. And that is, for some reason, all of the blemishes that Taysom Hill puts on film all of the blemishes and weaknesses that we see in his game are wiped away with a couple of backspaces on the keyboard when you get in front of Twitter because he's so athletically phenomenal, can play everywhere. He is a fantastic football player, incredible football player. But it's almost like some people are judging Taysom Hill on a scale compared to his peers you know, youth sports we're talking about little league baseball you're a little bit younger than the, the kids that are playing tonight in the little league world series you go back to like six-year-old baseball players six seven-year-old baseball players i know where i grew up you either were put in one of two divisions same age same peers you put in one or two divisions one you're playing on the little league field you're throwing from a, uh, a you know a mound which wasn't really a mound there but you're throwing from the rubber on a little league field and you're hitting, and it's just like a normal Little League game. The other six, seven-year-olds, they're put on T-ball. Maybe they need to develop a little more. It would be foolish, to say the least, to judge the kids playing T-ball like you're judging the kids playing actual baseball, right? I know seven-year-old basketball players. I was part of this. I was kind of tall, so I was put on a team that we played on normal-sized hoops. Some of my friends... They were seven, six, seven. We were first getting into basketball. They played on the, what was it, the eight-foot rims? Would it be wise to kind of watch those kids play and and judge and evaluate and under the same lens the kids playing on eight-foot hoop as the kids playing on the ten-foot hoop? I don't think so. This happens all the time here in New Orleans, too. City officials, they promote you know this drastic drop in in crime and violent crime which is good it's all great but we're judging it on a different scale than say portland oregon or austin texas two of the five safest cities in america according to the latest study a drop here it's great but still pretty darn violent compared to those other cities safer cities in the united states i've seen this with Taysom hill a lot over the last couple of years what he did yesterday was great. That may have been the best performance that we've seen from him in any preseason game 
I know he had some good ones uh, last year, but 14 and 19, 134 yards and one touchdown. Oh, pardon me. Let me get this right. It's 11 of 15 for 136 yards and two touchdowns. 11 to 13, 11 to 14, 136 yards and two touchdowns. Teddy Bridgewater yesterday was not good. Not good at all. 5 of 12 for 40 yards. Had that interception inside the 10-yard line. Just can't do that. Had another turnover. When he and Eric McCoy, we didn't, I don't know if we got the full story on this, whose fault it was. I think it falls on the quarterback and the center both. When you have a, a really an early snap, fumbled exchange. It wasn't really an exchange. It was an early snap. Teddy wasn't ready for it on that first fourth down play inside the red zone. Gave it away. Can't have that. Was not a good day for Bridgewater. Sean Payton, after the game, tried to explain it away and say he was sick. I'm not really buying that like Bobby was. And, I mean, he may have been sick, and I understand it's a little difficult. But, look, he went out there and played, and I'm not just going to say, well, he's sick, so that doesn't matter. But Taysom Hill's line, 136 yards, couple of touchdowns. It's very interesting because last week he had the opposite dichotomy happening. It was Teddy Bridgewater who had the nice day. He's went 14 of 19, 134 yards, and the touchdown. Certainly had moments that he needs to improve on, held the ball, uh, a ball a little bit too long a couple of times. But Taysom Hill's the guy who kind of struggled. 8 of 14, wasn't seeing some open receivers, overthrowing others, had an interception that wasn't his fault. I get it, but it's on the books, an interception. 5.7 yards in, uh, per attempt. Didn't get the offense in gear really in the second half. Kind of the opposite. Bridgewater the good game, Taysom Hill the bad game. What I didn't hear last week were people calling Taysom Hill a, well, a joke at quarterback, overrated at quarterback, somebody who shouldn't be in this, you know, heir apparent discussion when Drew Brees hangs it up. But this week, the roles are reversed. And what do we hear? We hear everybody on social media celebrating. He's the next Steve Young. He's incredible. Taysom Hill's the future. Taysom Hill is the truth at quarterback. A multi-dual threat guy. And Teddy Bridgewater all of a sudden should be cut. Folks, I've, I've, I've done this long enough to see a, a sliding scale of judgment on quarterbacks when I see it. And that's what's happening here with Taysom Hill because he's so athletically gifted. He's so exciting to watch. You can't help but root for him. I mean, who doesn't want to root for Taysom Hill? Likeable guy, good teammate, certainly helps this team right now in a big way, in multiple ways. He's a critical part of this team. But from a quarterback perspective, I'm sorry. We're judging him on a different scale than we are judging Teddy Bridgewater on. We are. It'd be like pulling Taysom Hill's number from the, the numbers from the regular season as a passer last year and using that as kind of his benchmark where he's at. That would be unfair considering those moments were often a lot of deep throws downfield, high-risk, high-reward throws. You're not going to judge a quarterback under. Same thing with judging Taysom Hill, as uh, Teddy Bridgewater, pardon me, on a game that he might be sick, coming off a pretty good performance in week one. Or judging Teddy Bridgewater in that uh, week 17 throwaway game when he didn't really have any or much of the playbook to work with and hadn't had game action that entire year. And I am as impartial as you could get on this one. I have 
no dog in this fight, no horse in this race at all. I hope they both succeed. I really do. It'd be great to see them both go out there, throw for 300 yards, team throws for 600, all of a sudden you got a first-round uh, asset you can trade away or you know, trade away one of the quarterbacks for a first-rounder, baby. <laughs> you know? So I, I want them both to succeed. No dog in this fight at all. None. But using one half of football in, what, mid-August? When you're playing against guys, Taysom Hill was, second, third stringers, a lot of them won't be on NFL rosters this fall. That seems a little bit reactionary to me. A little bit reactionary. Let's go to the phone lines now. They're open for you at 504-260-1870. Jimmy and Gretna, you're leading us off today. What's up? Hey, Seth. Great show, man. Real quick, uh, congratulations. I'm watching the Little League. Yep. As, of course, I listen to your show, Seth. I got the uh, audio turned down on the TV. Uh, the Jefferson Parish team is doing great. They're up 5-zip yep. right now um, over the Minnesota team. But, look. Uh, Bridgewater, my only major concern, and I agree with you, man, it's, it's obviously uh, a preseason game. Some fans are jumping to conclusions. I think Bridgewater real, realistically could start for five teams in the NFL right now. Um, my, my main concern with what I've seen, whether he was sick or not, but the two preseason games I've watched, Seth, is his, his pocket presence, his pocket awareness. And what I mean by that is his ability to uh, see a sack coming. He had one – um, sack that would have been a sack had it not been for a flag that kind of saved him. A couple uh, passes that could have easily been picked that were dropped by the opponents. And there were a couple interceptions and a couple bad reads. Now, if he was a rookie or a second-year or third-year guy, I think, Seth, it's one thing. But considering how much we're paying him to be a backup um, and his pocket awareness, and not this isn't always going to show up in the stats, Seth, you know, although his stats weren't great, but, you know, taking sacks, taking hits from behind and fumbling the ball is concerning for me for a guy who probably has 60 starts. Um, yeah, one I, last thing I'm going to – got. Go I actually got to uh, stop you there, Jimmy, as we're up against a hard break and we have Mike Triplett coming up. But I think those are all – look, those are all valid points. I'm, I'm not – yesterday was ugly for Teddy Bridgewater. There's no other way about it. I just want to see him and Taysom Hill judged on the same scale, not separate ones, and that seems to be what's happening right now. And it's not. That's a highlight yesterday from the Saints Radio Network. A little long one there, but yeah, it, it, look, a handful of Saints players lost: Michael Ola, Craig Robertson, Mario Edwards Jr. Not a great day from the Saints from an injury perspective. That's something we got to talk about and discuss today because. There's lots of seasons in the NFL when a team goes from a Super Bowl favorite to a Super Bowl afterthought in the span of a week or two because of injuries. Now, none of these injuries happen to really important guys with the Cam Jordan or Drew Brees type, but their depth took a hit yesterday. Took a real hit yesterday. I mean, Mario Edwards was the guy they signed after Alex Okafor went to free agency to provide them depth on the edge and as a pass rusher. Michael Ola was probably their best backup tackle offensive tackle we know craig robertson he's the leader of the heart and soul of the special teams unit kind of a star there i mean these were these were significant losses maybe not elite guys but certainly lost some depth on really all three phases not good stuff you can hear deuce McAllister talking about that online at wwl.com you can find my column there on our saints page from yesterday let's bring in mike triplett at mike triplett on twitter espn nfl nation reporter covering the saints mike how you doing Good. How you doing, Seth? Look, I'm good. Better than uh, the health of the Saints right now, Mike. Uh, yeah, lots of guys banged up yesterday, right? Well, sort of unavoidable. I mean, you said it. Uh, if you get to handpick which guys get hurt, you know, you can live without them. And when you, we talk about last season as a good season from an injury standpoint because they have what seven or eight Pro Bowlers on this team, and those guys all stayed healthy until Sheldon Rankins got hurt. 
Um, so it's completely unavoidable. Uh, yeah, hopefully Mario Edwards Jr. can be healthy for week one because that's like the one week they really need him this season when, when on- Onyemata's suspended um, and, and Rankins is still out from the torn Achilles. And, and you know, uh, Craig Robertson's just so valuable in so many different ways, special teams and the top backup at every linebacker position. But, uh, um yeah, I mean, no, no team, no team can escape all of them. So, so far, knock on wood, uh, they haven't had anything that uh, that makes you, you know, change your prediction about what kind of team they're going to be this season. Now, a lot of Saints fans changing their prediction about the future of the Saints' quarterback position after uh-huh. I don't know a couple halves of football. Mike uh, Taysom Hill. Last night, what is with all the Teddy Bridgewater hate night? I couldn't believe it. Like, yeah. I mean, he played very poorly. There's no mm-hmm. doubt about it. But to watch an entire fan base turn on a guy, I mean, I, I've been dying to do this my whole life. I want to know how many of the same people I saw on Twitter that were acting like, you know, Teddy Bridgewater, you know, committed crimes against, <laughs> crimes against their family are the same people who, like, you know, celebrated that they just won the Super Bowl and they traded a third-round pick for him one year, one year ago today. Uh, 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 maybe it's two completely different groups, the pro-Teddy and the and the anti Teddy, but it, it it is funny how fickle they can be. Um, I'm I'm not ready to uh, to uh, change my opinion on Teddy Bridgewater based on just one bad half of football. Me either. Uh, me either. Uh, Taysom Hill. Like Taysom Hill was good though, right? I mean, that was maybe the best we've seen him, at least among the best performances we've seen him leading the comeback yeah, yesterday. Yeah, very much so. And and look, I, I mean, I don't think it's an overreaction. And, and actually, I'm going to be writing about this tomorrow. And this is my main takeaway from the game is. I am, it's not an open competition for the backup job. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater is the highest paid backup in the league for good reason. Um, and if anything happened to Drew Brees, it would be Teddy Bridgewater replacing him. And that's fine. He's looked good. You know, he's a good quality quarterback. But he only has one year left on his contract, and he's an expensive backup. And if Taysom Hill is going to continue to progress as much as we've seen him from last preseason to this preseason as a passer, um, and as a guy that's comfortable back there and, and who obviously brings that presence and not to mention Sean Payton comparing him to Steve Young, I am less certain now about who I think is, is more likely to be Breeze's long-term successor than I was two days ago. Um, now I think that's a wide-open competition. Yeah, you and me both. Yeah, I think that's a good way to look at it. We're talking to Mike Triplett at Mike Triplett on Twitter. Covers the Saints, of course, for ESPN's yeah. NFL Nation. What were your other takeaways from yesterday, Mike? Um, you know, I mean, the starting defense did look good. That's promising. Um, you know, almost all of the problems on offense were attributed to Teddy Bridgewater having a bad day. I mean, if he doesn't miss Alvin Kamara and Dwayne Washington inside the five-yard line on those two throws, maybe they have 20 points in the first half. So then nobody's worried about the offense. And, and, and oh, by the way, Drew Brees and Michael Thomas didn't even – and Teron Armstead didn't even play in the game, who might be the three best – three of the four best offensive players on the team. So I'm not worried about the offense. Um, and I would say my biggest concern about the Saints heading into this season was the defensive end position and the defensive line position in general, the depth at, at those pass rush positions with no Rankins and no Okafor anymore. And I think Trey Hendrickson and David Onyemata both had good games. So if they're going to look good, I think that's a real promising sign. So not to just put on, you know, rosy glasses. It was a pretty ugly game, but uh, 
those are the most important takeaways of of guys who you hope are going to be able to be playing bigger roles this year than they have in the past. Yeah, ugly game, very preseasony game. The wide receiver yeah. spot uh, was not any prettier. Uh, Mike, a, a dud for Emmanuel Butler's debut. Yeah. I mean, he he was invisible. Yeah, well, unfortunately, he wasn't invisible. He was visible because the one time they threw the ball to him, the ball bounced off his hands yeah, when he was wide open. True. Um, and I'm sure millions of millions, uh, hundreds of whatever people <laughs> have been watching us rave about him on uh, Twitter every day are like, this is what all the hype has been about when I haven't been out there on the practice field. But, again, they still speak highly of him. I, I still have him penciled into my 53-man roster projection because it's not only been practice highlights with him, it's been the way coaches are talking about him, and you can tell they're very clearly impressed both on and off the record. But, you know, I've never had him written in pen on on my roster. For a wide receiver to be, like, written in pen, written in ink, whatever you want to say, I think he's got to be a top four wide receiver in the offensive pecking order, or he's got to be a core special teams player. And I don't know if Emmanuel Butler is either one yet. Um, I think that top four is probably uh, Michael Thomas, Ted Ginn Jr., Traquan Smith, and Keith Kirkwood, if he can get healthy. Um so, you know, Emmanuel Butler still does have something to prove if he wants to get on the field for this team and, and not just be a red shirt either on the back end of the roster or the practice squad. How much did that touchdown catch, the 27-yarder from Taysom, help Austin Carr's chance into making this team? Well, <laughs> if he had dropped it, he might be gone. <laughs> but other than that, all he, all he did was uh, walk it in with uh, no defenders anywhere near him. But but he's the perfect example of if you were the saints and you were like, we are playing a game in week one that matters. And we want to have four receivers active on game day that we're going to be throwing the football to. I, I would think Austin Carr would be active ahead of an Emmanuel Butler right now. Is Keith Turkwood isn't healthy uh, because Austin Carr has been around, you know, he's, this is his third year. Now he knows the system very well. They trust him very much. So I know, I understand that people are more excited about the guy with the higher ceiling and the, and the long-term potential. But, you know, I would think Carr has an advantage as, as a more trusted guy right now. Uh, other side of the football, Caden Ellis, second straight week, he's led the team in snaps. And that by itself doesn't mean much this time of the year. But he's also getting big-time reps on special teams. Uh, the coaching staff, the special teams coaches have been very vocal about his progress there. Is Caden Ellis a guy that's penciled into that, that final 53 years? Maybe he could yeah. be. Yeah, and he was he was before he was for me before they ever played a preseason game uh, because he has been flashing a little bit in, in practice and and I think they like what they've seen from him. Um, but after these two preseason games, you you have to feel really good about him. I mean, because of Alex Anzalone's injuries, the reason he's played so many defensive snaps with the ones, and I think Anzalone's going to be back real soon. But uh, you know that lets you know those are valuable snaps he's getting. It lets you know what they think of him to give him those valuable snaps. And then, obviously, he looks like a guy who's going to contribute on a lot of special teams right away. The pass rush for the Saints, I just don't know how to evaluate it right now. Uh, Marcus Davenport, the good was, well, he had a half sack. The bad was 24 snaps, and that's all he did was that one half sack. He also had a bull rush that was nice against, like, a third-team uh, left tackle. I don't know how much we go into there. But it's not just Marcus Davenport, in all fairness here. I mean, he, that was it. He had the, the half sack for him and Eli Apple on that play, and then um, a couple of pocket pushes and, and not much else. Is this something we need to be concerned about at all at, at this point? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think it's the number one concern on the team for me. Um, um, they need Davenport to be awesome this year, basically, because, um, 
you know, last year he was he was pretty good, and I do think he'll be better. I mean, there's so many reasons why I think he'll be better because he was a raw developmental prospect to start with, and then he suffered that toe injury midway through his first season. So, you know, uh, you know, his conditioning, his confidence, and everything in between his knowledge of the defense are all going to be better this year. But you know, he's playing less than 50% of the snaps last year, so you know they like to rotate at that defensive end spot. So even if he starts playing 75% of the snaps, um, I think I don't think we're predicting that he's going to have a Pro Bowl season or anything this year, but you hope maybe he can flirt with double-digit sacks. But they still need others behind him. And that's why I said Trey Hendrickson's performance has, has been promising because he has not done a lot so far in his career. But they really need – I mean, they need Davenport to take a big leap and they need Hendrickson to take a big leap. And that's asking a lot from yeah. those two guys. I saw Hendrickson. He's up to like 270. And he, he talked about yeah. that when he was asked. I mean, he looks a lot bigger. Yeah, and you know he's still playing fast, which is which is important. Uh, you know uh, he's always been a high motor guy on the practice field uh, in, in training camp practice and stuff, and you notice him for those reasons. But to see him still making so many plays where he looks like he's got a lot of speed and and you know agility out there on the field, I think in particular in this last preseason game while carrying extra weight, that's a good sign. Uh, Mike Triplett is going to be riding on. It was Taysom Hill, right? Tomorrow. Yeah, uh, yeah. For Wednesday, a uh, little uh, Teddy and Taysom talk because uh, it's the preseason, and those are the guys that we like to watch most. Right now, <laughs> yeah, <that's>, yeah <laughs> follow social media. It'll, it'll, <laughs> that's what we do, right? All right, Mike Triplett. That's not what he does. That's what I do here. That's you know, I'm trying to get uh, calls and talk and talk at night. Uh, Mike Triplett, ESPN's NFL Nation reporter covering the Saints at Mike Triplett on Twitter. Mike, appreciate the time, man. Thanks, sir. All right, there you go. It's time for your calls and texts now. What do you think of Taysom and Teddy? What do you think about Marcus Davenport? Anything you want to talk about from last night's Saints games, I want to hear from you. 504-260-1870. Passionate Houdat fans out there, I don't know. I've seen you on social media the last 24 hours. Heck, I've seen you the last two decades. 504-260-1870. Text lines 870-870. The last lap continues on WWL. Saints 19, Chargers 17 yesterday. A few injuries. Craig Robertson, Mario Edwards, Mike Arola. Some of the guys banged up. Also, Taysom Hill played very well. Teddy Bridgewater did not. So the dichotomy there, it is real. We've got columns and articles on all of that, including Colton Jumper and his pick six online at WWL.com. Just click that Saints page and you'll find all the work from uh, guys like Amos Morale the third, Steve Geller, myself, Christian Garrick has a couple of pieces up there. Our entire team front and center for you with your Saints coverage. Big news from the Little League World Series. The Louisiana team, well, they have 10 run-ruled team from Minnesota. So the boys from the East Bank, they advance on. They play on Wednesday, win that one, and they're into the U.S. semifinals, I believe. Uh, that's what Tim Zimmer, our producer in the morning, former producer of the show, uh, was telling us. He's on Twitter, kind of very excited about this right now. So congrats to yeah, the boys from NOLA on a Little League World Series victory. I see some of the guys getting interviewed on TV right now. Pretty cool. How would you like to be, what, 12 years old, 11, 12 years old, and get interviewed on ESPN National TV? That would be a heck of a moment, right? Let's go to the phone lines. Pierre in Gentilly. What's up, Pierre? You want to talk a little Saints? Hey, what's going on, Seth? How you doing tonight? Hey, I'm good. How are you, man? Uh, man, I, I really enjoyed the game, especially when uh, Taysom Hill got in there. 
Um, I'm concerned about the pass rush. I want to ask you if there's, you know, is there somebody out there on the market and with the same draft and try to get? You know, I mean, the, the the only guy that would move the needle at all, Pierre, just being honest, is well, it's Jadevian Clowney, who's going to cost sixteen million dollars, and also big time assets to go and get him. I think you're stuck with what you got here. There may be a scenario when you get towards the trade deadline near midseason that another team, maybe they fall out of the race, a bunch of losses early, and they make a guy towards the end of his contract available, you know? Right, I got you. Well, we need we need our guys that we got to step up, because I'm mean, just not too happy with the, the pass rush right now. No, you shouldn't be, Pierre, and you're not the only one. I'm not happy with it. Mike Triplett wasn't happy with it. No Saints fan should be happy with the pass rush. Nobody on that Saints team should be happy with the pass rush. Again, yesterday you had one sack, a couple of pressures, zit. I mean, a couple was a little euphemism. It was a handful of pressures. But you had the half sack from Davenport and Eli Apple. And not much else. I thought Trey Hendrickson showed some stuff at times. I thought Marcus Davenport had another nice bull rush there on the left tackle. But again, it's not enough, not nearly enough for a team that was inside the top five and most sacks in the NFL last season. It's got to get better. But as I caution everybody, this is just the preseason. I was going back and forth on Twitter a little bit with uh, uh, Brian Bianami, one of my friends, uh, also in radio here in New Orleans. And he was kind of very anti-Saints, Brian. And he always likes to give uh, – excuse me, anti-Falcons. Pardon me. Pardon me, Brian. Pro Saints, very anti-Falcons. And Brian always loves to give the Falcons the business on Twitter. So he was talking about how that Falcons offense, first-team offense, doesn't look very well this year. And they're 0-3. And I was cautioning Brian, hey, it's good. I get you want to – they're an easy fodder for a troll. But I remember just a couple of years ago, Bill Barnwell talks about this a lot in his preseason columns. I think Pro Football Focus does also. The Seattle Seahawks in 2014, they had the worst offense in the NFL in the preseason. They're – First string offense did not score a touchdown in their four preseason games that year. What did they do in the regular season? They were the best offense in the league. Number one in the league by DVOA. Don't get fooled by what happens in the preseason. They're not showing you everything. Not everybody's playing all the time. So should you be a little concerned? Sure. Don't go into panic mode, though, just because the Saints have had a, rush, a rough time getting after the pass for the last couple of weeks against the Vikings and now the Chargers. 504-260-1870. Our text line is 870-870. What do you say, Saints fans? Give us a call. Shoot me a text. We'll talk about it right here on the last lap. Pick six, Colton Jumper. Part of the Saints comeback in the fourth quarter against the Chargers yesterday. Amos Morale third has a story on Colton Jumper and his comments after the game, after that standout play. Welcome back to the show again, the New Orleans Little League World Series team. They advance on the 10-run rule, their counterparts from Minnesota. They advance to what effectively is the quarterfinals on Wednesday, and that will also be a loser-out contest. Here is a text from the 985. When Cam Jordan isn't playing, the pass rush is going to fall off. Dennis Allen, three exclamation points. I think DA meant Dennis Allen. He says DA, three exclamation points. Yeah, it is. It is. That's why last segment I was telling you, don't put too much stock into what you see from that group in the preseason. Only you'd like to see something, just for peace of mind, if nothing else. Saints training camp interviews and sounds are always brought to you by the Sound Banking of First American Bank, 
a banking tradition since 1910. Today's player of the day is going to be Taysom Hill. Nice performance yesterday. Who's going places? Taysom Hill brought to you by Toyota dealers. Let's go places. Could have done a lot of people. Could have done Colton Jumper. Um, could have done Teddy Bridgewater. No, I'm joking. Not Teddy yesterday. Even he'd tell you that. Our Blue Runner Gumbo opinion poll at WWL.com. Who will be the Saints quarterback after Drew Brees? And right now, Taysom Hill getting 41% of the vote. Teddy Bridgewater, 32%. And somebody else with 30 So about as equal a vote as you'll see here on this show. Those uh, scores can be uh, pretty darn skewed. Some more texts coming in at 870-870. Here's one from the 985. You can't judge Bridgewater on the same scale as Taysom Hill. They're completely different players. Taysom contributed greatly last year. They are. I'm just talking about from a quarterback perspective. If you talk about importance to the team, I mean, this is no contest right now. It is Taysom Hill in a landslide. Now, if Drew Brees gets hurt, then it's going to be Teddy Bridgewater in a landslide because he will be the Saints quarterback on the field on game days during the regular season. Got a lot to talk about now or two of the program. We'll go college football. The Associated Press Top 25 was unveiled today. We'll tell you where LSU landed. Lots of SEC teams inside that top 15. No surprise there. James Moran joins the show to talk about LSU's scrimmage on Saturday. And then we go to Brent Kirchival of CBS Sports to break down that top 25 and talk a little well, prognostication about who might be in that playoff and if LSU will be there. Plus, college football is getting their hard knocks. HBO is producing it. We found out late last week who it was. Don't think we got to it on this show. But trust me, trust me, you're going to love who they chose. And I love them even more. That might be a hint. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.